ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Ypulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, has just released their latest trend report. And Mary Lee Bliss, Ypulse's chief content officer, is here to discuss everything you need to know about young consumers, cryptocurrency, and NFTs. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. The last time we spoke together, you unpacked the metaverse, both what it was in general and very specifically how young people seem to be relating to it and what it means for brands. And now you're here to pick up where we left off and talk about (laughs) cryptocurrency and NFTs. But before we talk about your findings and what it all means, can you give us some information about the trend report, the geographic territory you cover, the age of who you survey, and the methodology? you use. Absolutely. So Ypulse is constantly surveying young consumers, 13 to 39-year-olds, and we are asking them about behaviors and trends that they are fueling. We ask young consumers about all of these things across a number of regions. Today, we're going to be talking about our North America data. We also collect this in Western Europe. In North America, we conduct each survey among 1,450 13 to 39-year-olds in the U.S. and Canada, and those surveys are balanced against to be nationally representative across age and gender, ethnicity, region, all of that. So very reflective of the population of the region. And then also because it's a large sample size, we have a very small margin of error. Awesome. I love that. Now, before we dive into what it all means for Gen Z and millennial consumers, I want to get some definitions squared away. Cryptocurrency. Can you buy cryptocurrency if you're not on the blockchain? What is cryptocurrency? Yeah. So one of the reasons that we wanted to do this report, buying into crypto and NFTs, was to, of course, give a view on what young people are doing, but also to help our clients understand some of these major terms that are being thrown around and that brands are kind of being expected to jump into and be experts on all of a sudden. So we include definitions on all of these things in the report. And yeah, it's it's definitely important to at least understand the basics. It's really complicated. So we have a kind of a starter a definition of cryptocurrencies, which is very basically a virtual currency that is Secured by cryptography, which is, you know, a a security that's really verified by the blockchain. And it makes it impossible to counterfeit cryptocurrency or double spend it. One of the biggest things about cryptocurrency to understand, of course, is that it's decentralized. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not a government. It's not a country. It is is everybody that it's based on blockchain technology. And blockchain is really what some of these metaverses that we talked about last time are being built on and cryptocurrency are being built on. And then of course, NFTs by extension are also being built on. And the blockchain is complicated, but a really simple definition is it's a public record of transaction data. It's a network of computers that is keeping a a record of data and each block in the chain includes transaction data, a timestamp, and something called a cryptographic hash. 
And that's kind of a security measure. That's encrypted data about the block before it. So each one is unique and secure and interconnected. So it's all about, you know, security. These are decentralized transactions. And again, that decentralized part is very important. The idea and kind of the, you know, dream behind the blockchain and cryptocurrency is that it's it's not it's not a specific government. And so it's really owned by the people. Right. It's a distributed ledger, it's decentralized, and it's disintermediated. So things should be more efficient and more cost-effective. One of the things that we see is that cryptocurrency, if we look, it seems pretty volatile. Yeah, uh, And it's not tied the way a fiat currency is to an, a particular governmental economy, unless, of course, it's a blockchain, it's a um, cryptocurrency that is tied to a fiat currency, sure. <laughs> which then it just gets that much more com- complicated. complicated and more and more terms. So, you know, I really sympathize with the brands that are trying to understand all of this all at once. And, you know, this is why we, we kind of tried to put it all down in one place for them. But yes, it's very volatile. And there's so there's pros and cons of cryptocurrency. And one of the pros, of course, decentralized. And so those lower transaction fees, et cetera. But then yes, it's a fluctuating value. And also there's so many different kinds. So Bitcoin is the one of the main cryptocurrencies, but the other kind of half of cryptocurrencies are altcoins. And there's over 17,000 types. There's, you know, some that are very, very popular, but there's just so many because anyone can make them. So that also uh, contributes to that fluctuating value. It's interesting because if one really wants to think about, so how do how do people evaluate the, the value of a given cryptocurrency? The cryptocurrency does relate to some, as you explained, Tom, some particular blockchain. For instance, JP Morgan and more than 300 banks use a version of Enterprise Ethereum to run interbank payment network. The Covantis initiative set up by a group of institutions in the commodity industry uses Enterprise Ethereum to run post-trade execution platform for agricultural shipping transactions. Bitcoin doesn't work on the Ethereum blockchain. And neither Bitcoin nor Dogecoin, which is another popular cryptocurrency, really have a function other than being a Dogecoin or Bitcoin, which ultimately seems to be relying on the greater fool theory that all you need to profit from an investment is to find someone who's willing to buy an asset at an even more uh, expensive price. So I think that as people become more and more aware of what anchors the value, what's the utility, we may see some of this volatility go down, but also as a brand, understanding where, you know, what is it is important. And and so, so that then leads us to what is it, the NFT and that ape, explain, explain that non-fungible token. Is that an actual thing? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so it's good that we started with crypto and blockchain because NFTs are, are based off of those. An NFT is a non-fungible token, which again, just sounds like more kind of <laughs> gibberish to some people, but basically is a digital asset that represents a real world object. So arts, concert tickets, music, in-game items, videos. So it's a digital asset that is bought and sold online. And usually the majority are bought with cryptocurrency. So you kind of have to have crypto to buy an NFT, which there have been many articles saying, you know, there's 
eight to 15 steps to buying an NFT. And then what do you do with it? So, you know, it, it can be complicated just to get one um, mm. because you have to set up a crypto wallet and, you know, have accounts on all of these different marketplaces. But that's kind of getting away from myself. An NFT is a one of a kind asset. Usually it's limited run. Um, that's part of the appeal is that there's not, you know, so many of them. So there's exclusivity to it. They have unique identifying codes. So only one person can own that NFT. And then that creates these marketplaces where you're selling your NFTs for more value if they become popular, like the Board Ape Club, which is probably the most ubiquitously known NFT. Mm-hmm. They're purchased on marketplaces like OpenSea. That's one of the most popular ones. And I think one of the things that people should know about NFTs is yes, they are a, a piece of usually digital artwork or a GIF or, or a video, a digital asset. But the appeal is not just in owning this GIF or JPEG. It is really about a membership for so many NFTs. Mm. What you're buying is access to so many other things. So Board Ape Club we'll use as as an example. When you buy a Board Ape Club NFT, which, you know, they all are these different apes with different designs, you are, yes, buying that NFT and you have access to that digital asset. But it's that token with a lot of other things. Hmm. You have ownership and commercial usage rights, which we'll get into, but for for Board Ape Club, the the commercial usage rights, which right now we're seeing really kind of the beginnings of what those can be put to use with. So Mm Um, some owners opened a board ape club, a burger joint, because they can use the, the image that they have purchased for branding. Um, mm. We see others who are participating in short videos starring their board apes. So new kinds of entertainment being created off of this asset that they create. But then there's also membership. So you're buying membership to this club. Other people who own board ape club tokens or whatever nft you've purchased and you know for some you know there's like gary vanuchuk's nfts the v friends you're buying membership to an exclusive collection of people who ha- are going to potentially give you investment advice and business and marketing and entrepreneurship advice so it's a it's a community so that's a big part of nft's appeal it's not just about that picture. It's about all of the different things that come with that picture. And beyond Board Ape Club, there are really popular NFTs that are um, giving you access to gamified online experiences, to metaverses um, Mm -hmm. that you can't access unless you own that NFT. You know, we're seeing crazy things like I mentioned the Board Ape Club burger joint, but there's another restaurant that was opened where you can only go if you have purchased an NFT, you know, kind of these wild things that are, that are going on. So it's definitely more than a picture. And I think that's one thing that I had to learn while creating this report and doing this research that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And brands that want to get into the space should really understand that, yes, creating an NFT of your product or whatever it might be, you know, this has become so hugely popular. But to really make it interesting, what you want to do is have access to more, access to something that goes beyond that image. Right. So it's an engagement tool that, that you can do. And I think one of the things that we you mentioned, and I think it's important to, to flag, if you purchase the NFT, 
you quote unquote own the original digital file and then also this access to membership rights. It, you don't necessarily own the underlying rights to the image. So if I'm a Disney brand and I want to create some sort of NFT using my original Disney characters, I don't have to worry that all of a sudden people can open a restaurant using Mickey Mouse. That isn't at risk unless I make it something that I'm sharing with them. It isn't an automatic. It's not automatic. So yeah, it's often a part of many of these kind of NFT based communities. So, you know, cool cats and doodles and cyber brokers and crypto cyberpunks. Uh, See, there's so many. (laughs) Well, right. So again, if we, if we tie it back to the brand and we're looking at ways to engage and we think of this as sort of next level user generated content, you provide something that they can then use, then you're linking back to you. That could be something you want to do, but you can structure it. You can control what it is. By the way, Disney has created NFTs out of their characters and absolutely that brand would never. I know, right? (laughs) If it was automatically giving away their IP. So no, it's not, it's not built into an NFT. It's just something that many of the kind of new original companies that their entire um, focus is these NFTs are are including. And, And we're seeing the creativity that can come out of that. Right. Do you feel that, or let me rephrase that, do young people feel confident that they understand NFTs? Yeah, this is such an interesting question. We've actually been asking about this since NFTs became a buzzword. And we've definitely seen the number of young consumers who believe that they understand NFTs increase. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of where we where we start. How knowledgeable are you about crypto and NFTs? And we asked about both for sure. We see that it's it's certainly not the majority, but uh, you know, for about forty percent of thirteen to thirty nine year olds think that they are at least somewhat knowledgeable about NFTs specifically. Thirteen percent say that they are somewhat to very knowledgeable. So you know. Certainly not the majority. And and I think one of the things that we continue to emphasize throughout the, the research was we are talking about something that is growing, but mm-hmm. and certainly it's more young consumers who are involved than than even I thought that that it would be from the the beginning mm-hmm. where we got the the data back but that said when brands are jumping in you know really think about who you're appealing to because it's certainly not the majority of young people mm-hmm. um, quite yet <laughs> so it's a it's a subset of gen z and millennials who are into this space Right. Would you say it's the same early adopters? Do you see that people who are going into NFTs are the same people who are going into the metaverse? Is this a way to, you know, if we think about adoption of technology, adoption of behaviors, there are early adopters. Is this that same group of people? I would say certainly there's a crossover, probably a Venn diagram where there's, you know, some of those people in the middle and some of the other people in that Venn diagram would be young people who are interested in and confident about investment. Ah, well, that's a perfect segue, really, because I would say, do you believe that young consumers are bullish on crypto, are bullish on NFTs? 
So this was pretty fascinating when we looked at the kinds of investments that young people are making. And now let's start with millennials in particular have a a reputation for not jumping into investing the way that previous generations have. And I, I believe that's still to a certain extent true when it comes to traditional investments. But when we asked about the kinds of investments that they have purchased, Cryptocurrency rivals stocks in terms of participation. So the, so 29% of 13 to 39-year-olds tell us that they have invested in stocks. 28% tell us that they have invested in cryptocurrency. That is <laughs> near equal, which is pretty shocking. That It is. It is. Investments have become as popular as stocks among I, young people. Can I just ask a clarifying question? Did they believe that mutual funds are stocks or these individual stock picks? I mean, that's, I'm just trying to understand, like, is this the same? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely both. Um, okay. And okay. we dig into the specifics of what they've invested in a different report in our, okay. in our personal finance uh, behavioral report. So we have more details on that. But this was a general, you know, have you invested in the right. market? Yeah. So the fact that cryptocurrencies are rivaling stocks is, is huge. And we have a lot of data around, you know, what the appeal of digital investing is. Mm. Um, and one of the big things that, that we found was that young people don't believe that they can build wealth the way that previous generations did. There's, you know, there's a lot of evidence that they're right. That they're right. Well, and, and so is this a kind of a swing for the fences? You know, it's really volatile. It might not go anywhere, but my God, it might hit me over the top really quickly. Sure. You know, we asked them about why that they're investing in cryptocurrency and why they're investing in NFTs and cryptocurrency specifically. The reasons that they're investing are really about building wealth, mm-hmm. believing that it is the future. Getting rich is certainly up there. You know, there's those stories that if you start to look at crypto and NFTs, you'll start to get in your newsfeed about people who, you know, made millions off of crypto, made millions off of NFTs. They're 15 year olds. They make you feel terrible about yourself. <laughs> but usually, among the majority, it's not really a get rich quick scheme, but it is a get rich scheme. So it isn't, it isn't a game. Like I think about the game stopped sure. stock, you know, where it was really, yeah, that it really stopped. wasn't so much about the, the actual, it was the game of making it happen. Yeah. yeah. Is that a component of it? Or is it this really, this is a financial investment. This is something they're thinking about in financial terms. Yeah, I think, you know, sure for some, there's probably that that gamification of it. But I think the majority, really, we see that they're looking at it as a future and they really want to build wealth. So we see that, you know, the majority of crypto investors, they want to become millionaires in their lifetime. And 22%, almost a quarter, who are investing in crypto say that they're doing so to save for retirement. So it's a motivation that they, mm. they really want to build that wealth for the future. Well, it's interesting. So I'm wondering if I'm a financial service brand, if I should be thinking about this in ad campaigns, not only the concern about building wealth, but also, you know, to your earlier point about who is your audience, who are you going after? The people who are investing in in crypto are, it's the pointy end of the stick if you want to get into who's interested in investing, who's really interested in growing wealth. Absolutely. I think that this needs to be a part of the conversation for financial service brands. In fact, though a minority are actually investing, although, you know, Mm. comparatively to stocks, an amazing amount, but it is still the minority of young consumers. At the same time, almost 
50% of young people tell us that they would accept part of their salary in cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> and over half say that brands should start accepting payment in cryptocurrencies. So, you know, even if they're not investing in it themselves yet, we do see that many believe that these are the, the future and that systems should be created to, you know, really accommodate for these. It's interesting there is there's where volatility comes into play. Uh, is it? Absolutely as a brand that becomes a real concern. We've seen how young people get their news from social media. What role does social media play in in this sort of financial advice space? And, And they're learning about this stuff. This was amazing to see how big a role social media is playing in the digital investment space. So we asked young investors where they get their uh, investing advice around stocks. So those who are investing in stocks, where are you getting investing advice? The top three answers were the news, my family, my friends, financial brokers. Sorry, you're number four. That's a bad sign. right there. Mm, We also asked those who are investing in digital assets, both crypto, NFTs, and digital land, where they're getting their investing advice. Number one answer, social media influencers and accounts. Mm. Number two answer, social media news feeds and hashtags. Number three answer, groups on chat apps and online communities. Hmm. Digital investments are absolutely being fueled by democratized knowledge on social platforms and chat platforms. Discord is a huge one. Hmm. Um, A lot of communities on Discord are about um, educating on digital investing, um, getting people started, or, you know, there are expert ones as well. There's a huge amount of, you know, terminology and, and kind of this other language that, that goes into it. So if you do find yourself on one of these discords or another social platform that's focused on digital investing, you kind of need this glossary that we've included in the report because there's so many acronyms that, that are being thrown around. But, you know, really it's, it is a kind of a community driven kind of trend, although trend is kind of putting it lightly because I do think it's far more long-term. That's really interesting. You know, we've talked about influencers in the past, and if I'm a financial institution or a, you know, advisor who wants to try to have a, a hand in this conversation and I want to team with an influencer, are they pop influencers like Elon Musk, or is it a, well, he, I mean, you know, he can change. Good luck teaming with him. (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay. There's that. But, but does it have, you know, if Beyonce talks about it, does it make a difference or does it really have to be a niche financial person? So this is a great question. And actually, you know, one of the things about this report was that there's so much to talk about and there's so much to educate about that we really had to pull back in a couple of places. And mm. one thing we're considering including, but ended up not having room for were some of these kind of pitfalls of teaming up with an influencer who doesn't have the know-how and the reputation in the space. Mm. So you see, Oh, you know, you see people from The Bachelor who are now hawking crypto. You know, they're not experts in the space. Um, mm. Jake, Jake Paul, you know, another example. And, you know, Kim Kardashian definitely got some backlash for, for hawking crypto. And you just see it everywhere. Um, but if you're a brand who's really invested in this, you know, our advice would be to stick to the influencers who are trusted. And that can be difficult because they are not necessarily those public faces like Mm. Elon, like a Kim, you know, there's a, a person 
called Pranksy on the online. <laughs> I, get my, I get my financial advice yeah. from Pranksy. Wow. Who has thousands and thousands of followers, you know, is an OG NFT collector and investor, has been involved in the space for a long time. His, his or her identity re- remains anonymous. So, mm. you know, it can be difficult with some of the, the experts to actually team up with them. But ultimately, you know, having anybody try to market and sell a crypto is probably not the best way to go. You mm. want somebody who's, who's trusted in the space. And there's so many people on TikTok and other platforms, Discord, you know, people who are, are seen as real experts and tr- seen as trusted by members of the investment community um, who are probably a better bet. So do your homework brands. If you're going to weigh in here, As wander into say, it, do your homework. D-Y-O-R, do your own research. That's a major term within the investment space. So so switching from crypto to, to NFTs, it might, you know, because they're, the volatility of cryptocurrency, whether you're going to accept it, what the payments would be, how many different cryptocurrencies, let's set that aside as a whole different ball of wax for marketers. But if I'm thinking about engaging with young consumers and using NFTs as a way to go there, in the report, there are two NFT stories that I found interesting. One was Adidas and the other was MeUndies, two companies, two NFT efforts, two very different results. Can you give, you know, the the view from 30,000 feet, what happened? So we'll start with Adidas. Adidas created an initiative called Into the Metaverse. We call it, you know, maybe the most successful NFT collaboration so far. They partnered with Board Eight Yacht Club, which mm-hmm. you mentioned several times, and Punk's Comics, G-Money. So a bunch of different kind of groups in this space to create this originals into the metaverse. It was a limited edition collection of NFTs. And there were, as I said, it was far more than just the digital token. So you could exchange that NFT to claim things, including exclusive merch and products. So basically you're getting access to collections Mm. that nobody else has except for these NFT owners. Mm. Um, and, you know, there were completely sold out. So major profit for Adidas and the partners, but they also have future plans. So there was different phases to this. Mm. And those who own the NFT, the Adidas NFT, um, will have access to a potential a metaverse in the future. So we talked about that last time. We won't get mm. into it, but think of it as a virtual world where you can co-create things as a community. You know, where that's going to be hasn't necessarily been determined yet, but Adidas recently bought land in the sandbox, which is a, a big metaverse. So they're they're entering all these spaces and they they collaborated with really trusted group. One of them being Board Yacht Club, of course. The, the feedback and uh, the demand for it was really high. Meundies mm. also wanted to collaborate with Board Ape Yacht Club, who's kind of, as you can tell, the like cool, popular kid on the NFT block. Mm. But their partnership with Board Ape Yacht Club sparked a lot of backlash from their consumers for being eco-unfriendly. So one of the things we haven't necessarily talked about yet with blockchain, crypto, and NFTs is that these networks of computers that are powering all of this take a lot of energy. Mm. And one of the 
big kind of criticisms of this space is, is that it is not good for the environment. And so MeUndies, which is a brand that has made environmental you know, friendliness a big part of their focus, partnering with a boardy yacht club, an NFT that takes a lot of energy to create and sustain, definitely did not go off well with their sustainably minded consumers. So there's a huge amount of backlash and they actually did change their approach. They decided to um, donate a big portion of, to environmental causes, but actually not get involved in the space in the same way because they, you know, once being educated by their consumers who were railing against this, mm. um, said that they felt it did not uh, align with their company goals and values. So two partnerships with Board AP Yacht Club, two very different outcomes. And I think the big lesson for brands here is that, yes, young consumers are open to brands creating NFTs. We see very clearly in the data, a huge number of young people, 68% say they would buy an NFT from a brand, which is enormous. So very tempting to jump into the space, but do your own research that applies not only to who you're partnering with, but also to your own consumers, your own target market. Well, really, if you're a marketer, you should think of it like a brand extension and you should run it through the same exercise that you would any brand extension to see if it conforms with your existing values. Yes, absolutely. So is this going to appeal to the people who already are supporting you? And if it's not, you need to really think about either a way to make it work in a different way. So, you know, donate those proceeds to environmental causes or, you know, really make it so that you're not having that same negative impact, or you just need to back off the space and and not everybody has to have an NFT. Right. So interesting. This has been so great. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us today. Absolutely. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next and my friend Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.